0: Welcome to another episode of the Admissions Uncovered podcast. My name's Michael, I'm an undergrad at Columbia University, and every other week I'm joined by my old teacher from high school, Don Gonzalez, to talk about college admissions, how students can get into their dream schools, how teachers and counselors can help their students, and how colleges can change the system to make it fairer and better for everyone involved. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you're on Apple, or on Spotify or whatever app you use if you're on Android in order to make sure you get every single new episode the second it drops. With that, thanks for listening, and let's get on with the show. Today we wanted to talk about extracurricular activities and how to strategize which ones to do and when to start doing them, how to do them when you're in high school. And I think to kind of frame this, the reason why Gonzalez and I thought this was such an important topic is that extracurriculars are really the way to differentiate yourself from everybody else. It's It used to be an optional thing. Now extracurricular activities are, I would say, as essential as having good grades if you're looking to be competitive for the most number of colleges as possible. But I think you know a really good question that a lot of high school kids have is, Which extracurricular should I do? How should I do them? How do I pick between them? My time isn't infinite. And I think those are all worthy questions we want to try to talk about today. And so the way we're going to do this is we're going to have some scenarios of students that Gonzalez has worked with or I have worked with. And we're going to talk about their situation and maybe give some advice about what they should do. So the first scenario we have is a student who is second or third in their class, uh, but got there by only studying, by spending all their time on schoolwork. So they're a really good student, um, but they have no extracurricular activities. So what do you think about this student, Gonzalez?
1: All right. So when you and I were talking during the planning session, I actually had somebody in mind for this that actually fit this profile, one of our students. I think she wound up being number two in the class at the time. So. Here's the first thing is that they need to start earlier. And so I would really say that my advice to that student, because by the time they're a junior or senior, really when when I discovered this about the student, she was already a senior. It was too late. She wasn't part of the group that I worked with. So had I been given the opportunity, like maybe starting in the sophomore year, I think the freshman year is a good year to kind of, Explore and experiment with activities, kind of dip your toe into things. Sophomore year you should really start thinking about narrowing the field of the things that you're interested in doing. Then your junior year you should really focus on two or three activities that you're gonna spend your time in. I'm just I'm a big fan of less is better and it's quality over quantity. Does that answer the question?
0: I think so, yeah. I mean I think like my take on this student is that I think definitely you have to start early because if you just start, if you figure out junior year that you need extracurricular activities and you decide to start doing an extracurricular activity, you know, your second semester of junior year or your first semester of senior year, then then you're kind of out of luck because um, that's, that's I don't think, good enough for, for most colleges. And I think it, it's going to come off as potentially a little bit inauthentic because, you just did it because you realized college applications were going on and you had nothing to put on your extracurricular activity section. So I think definitely starting early is number one.
1: So to be clear about this student that I have in mind as well, is that this is a student who literally thought that making good grades and having a good SAT score was going to be enough, that she didn't need anything else. And I think it's a little naive to 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 think that way. That might have been the case way back in the day when I was applying for school, uh, (laughs) when I was literally doing applications with a typewriter. Maybe I have to go to the museum (laughs) to see what that looks like. Uh, But in the world that we live in now with the common application and how how super competitive it is um, and the thousands and thousands of applications that colleges are getting, you have to be able to do something more than just be a good student with a good SAT score if you want to go to an elite school. So, you know, I think that message needs to be um, communicated a lot earlier than than it is right now. So like one of the things that we've done at our school and um, I was the catalyst for this about five years ago is that when we have our rising ninth grader new orientation student, we actually do a couple of workshops where we talk about extracurricular activities. And in my school, we actually, we require students in at least one extracurricular activity as freshmen. And then we start encouraging them to possibly do two by the time they become juniors. And I already sprinkle in the idea that it's for college. But the other thing too, is at least in our school, and I don't know if this is the case in other schools, maybe you can speak to this, is that when you're involved in an extracurricular activity, especially if it's an academically oriented one, you're going to very quickly be exposed to students that are older than you. So you have built-in mentors and built-in peer tutors. So like, for example, if you're a freshman on the debate team, then you're going to have juniors and seniors, presumably that are smart kids that, that are doing these types of academic, academically oriented extracurricular activities that can help you with like, let's say you have, You know, Mr. Smith for your biology teacher and you're struggling in biology. And you've got, you know, Michael Gout over here, who's another debater who can help you with biology. And so I pitch it that way to them as well. And it gives them an incentive because, unfortunately, what happens a lot of time when ninth graders come in, they've been told by their parents not to do any extracurricular activities because
0: Oh, I it, haven't encountered that. Oh, yes. Like parents actively saying just to focus on studies.
1: Right. And so I have to get past that as well. And so when we do new parent orientation, I explain this to them as well, how it is very important that the kids be involved in extracurricular activities from both. So first, I'll just I'll hit them with the built in mentor, built in tutoring, peer tutoring, and then I'll address the whole college aspect of it as well to get past the resistance from parents
0: i think i think it's really important to build in the second part of the pitch especially to ninth graders the part about mentorship and and community because i think it is a little bit hard for like the average student you know the aggregate student to be like if you want to go to a really good school you have to do these extracurriculars, because I don't think a lot of students in ninth grade are thinking that way. So, so I do wonder when you're pitching students, do you think it's the college piece that gets them? Because my intuition is that it it might not be that, even if it is true, and maybe the most compelling reason.
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. I think I get them with the the mentoring and the tutoring part of it is what is the hook that gets them in, and I think later on they will realize the importance of being involved in it for college.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the other thing is that, uh, at least for me, I I don't know, because like the thing is like a lot of the things in school, at least during my freshman year, had nothing to do with what I was actually interested in. So in ninth grade, I became interested in politics and there's no like poli-sci class in ninth grade. There's no government class in ninth grade. The closest you get is, at my school, we took human geography, which is about, You know geography, which is far away from politics, but is the only thing that's at least even a little bit close to it, at least in the social sciences. So for me, it was a way just to do something that I was interested in that my classes weren't doing. So I guess that is the other, like the most authentic pitch to students, which is that you probably don't like a lot of the things that you're doing in your classes. And so extracurriculars are a way to find what you actually like to do. I don't know if that's actually effective. Um, I like to tell myself it is.
1: Well, I mean, and I think the other pitch that I do more with the parents than I do with the students is parents are always concerned that their students aren't going to make friends. That's a big fear in the ninth grade and and transferring sophomores that, you know, especially in a school like ours where you have students coming from all over the Dallas-Fort Worth area, that... It's not like a traditional school where you've got feeder middle schools that come in, so you're gonna have groups of students from middle schools that already know each other, which happens right. in a traditional, uh, traditional high school. So I, you know, high school is very clicky anyway. So why not kind of create positive clicks with, you know, with areas of interest with the clubs or the extracurricular activities like the academic ones. And obviously, I'm talking about the academic ones because at our school we don't have sports. So sports can be another outlet. And I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. You know, not all extracurricular activities are created equally.
0: Well, I think that is like an interesting que- because because you know, like I obviously went to to the school you you were an, you are an Advent at, and and so like I I probably would never have personally wanted to do sports just because, of, you know, who I am and what I'm interested in. Um, but I do think it is a good question about, like, whether if you're a kid who's really focused on college outcomes, whether you should do sports at all. Because I know people in Allen, the 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 school I went to before the law magnet, who really focused on sports and that took over their lives because every day it was practice and every morning it was practice and they'd come home at you know, 9 p.m. all sweaty and they didn't have time for homework, so their grades suffered. Um, and I don't know if that is a good use of your time. I mean, like, I know students here who are student-athletes who managed to get recruited to a school like Columbia, but my intuition is that they are few and far between and that if you're not amazing at your sport, then then you're going to be out of luck when it comes to recruiting.
1: When I have a student like that that wants to do sports, is I'll ask him, you know, are you you going to be recruited by colleges for your particular sport? And the reality of it is now, I just had this conversation with our principal the other day, is that the Division I schools now, most of the recruiting is not taking place in high school sports the way it used to be done traditionally in the high schools. It's being done through club sport activities, for example, soccer. Oh. Soccer recruiting isn't done at the high school level. So the kids that are playing on the high school soccer team, those aren't the kids that are going to be recruited. It's the club sports that have kind of taken that over. The The big sports like football and basketball are still kind of recruited that way, but the lesser sports, uh, baseball in particular, soccer, softball, all club sports. And I had no idea. Yeah, so... Maybe it's a topic for another day, an, another episode. But like I've heard stories of uh, in softball, uh, girls getting scholarship uh, and signing uh, letters of intent in the eighth grade.
0: I have too. Yeah, I I met someone here who committed to being on the rowing team here in eighth grade, which is I think kind of insane to me that you know which college you're going to in eighth grade before high school has even started and colleges are willing to sign you on even before seeing your academic performance at all
1: so rowing team there at columbia Mm -hmm. all right so i think that's a that's an interesting thing to spend a little bit of time talking about is you know you have those kind of niche sports like yeah. rowing like maybe on the fencing. east coast rowing's a big thing it's you know it's not that big of a deal down in you know texas for example
0: so the, the heart and soul of america
1: <laughs> i mean so that's an interesting thing i mean i guess that's a s- sort of thing that you can research because i know that some of the private schools here in the dallas area have like fencing competitive fencing yeah and so I think fencing's a thing in some of the colleges as well. So if you know of a of particular colleges that give scholarships or admissions based on your performance in a very niche sort of sport, then that might be a time where you might evaluate it differently. At the end of the day, one of the things that I that I've preached from the very beginning about extracurricular activities is that winning at the activity is not the end goal. Like for example, you were you were a debater. The end goal isn't you know, while I wanted you to do well, you know, even if you had reached the 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 top of the mountain and become the national champion in debate, there isn't like a professional debate circuit. That's it. It's over. <laughs> but
0: Unless you're one of those lifers who hang on forever as coaches and <laughs> camp directors, and we know some of them, <laughs>
1: yes. But but what I've said before is like it wouldn't have done you any good to reach the top of the mountain in debate, and then your studies suffered as a result, and you didn't get right. into one of the elite colleges you wanted to go to. Then that would have been a case in which extracurricular activities distracted from your studies. So you have to kind of find that balance. At the end of the day, I always say that extracurricular activity should be the vehicle to help you get into the college that you want to go to, and that's it. If you, you know, like if you want to do debate in college, or if you want to do mock trial in college, or whatever your activity is, great. But my my take on that is is that it's just the vehicle to get you there. It's not um, it's not just about winning, and it certainly shouldn't become a distraction from your from academics because you know this. I mean, you could be a state champion in an activity and your your grades suffer and now you've done the opposite of what you're trying to do, hopefully trying to do with
0: the activity. Well, you know, we also know some of those students, you know, yes. like people on the team when I, was, when I was a debater who were national champions, who were, you know, super smart, who were reading college level graduate, really graduate level philosophy. And they ended up at, schools that you could say they probably could have done better than than those schools if they really tried in in actual their academic studies as well. I mean, I was I was someone who came into the law magnet wanting to do debate, but but I knew that it was because I wanted to get into an Ivy, period. Like that 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 was the reason. I mean, I obviously enjoyed doing debate, and if I didn't enjoy doing debate, I would find some other extracurricular activity because I knew I just needed something that was impressive, not necessarily debate, just some activity. Um, so I guess that's the other part of it, which is that yes, extracurriculars get you into college. Yes, you do these things for the ultimate goal of getting into college. But that doesn't mean you, ju- you have to do something you don't like. right? I don't think we're saying that you should just do an activity because you think it's going to look good on an application. Um, it's that you should do an activity because A, it's going to help you out later on, but B, because you actually enjoy it or, or find it interesting. And I, And I don't think the two are completely separate.
1: No, I agree 100%. You know, if you don't like the activity to begin with, you shouldn't be in it, you know, which, yeah, I was just thinking, I mean, the other thing too is is that you run the risk of burnout and things of that sort. Yeah. I'm dealing with that a little bit with some of the kids that are on the mock trial team, as they've had two solid years of doing what the equivalent of is of the national circuit for mock trial since we had a team that qualified in nationals last year. And so that ran all the way through August and then you start back up again.
0: That's a long season. Yeah.
1: There's no break. And, you know, so you gotta, you gotta figure that out too. I mean, I don't want to get too much into that, but I think again, the idea that you try, you have to figure out the balance that works for you. You know, I, I think ultimately you figured that out later on. You figured out what worked for you. And I've got to commend you too, even towards the end of your debate career, when you decided you had had enough.
0: Yeah, I was done. I was really burnt out, and I got what I needed out of yeah, it. Yeah, you
1: did get what what you needed out of it. And I remember having a conversation with you in which I, you know, I was telling you, you know, well, you owe the school and blah blah blah, and you, you <laughs> just you just stuck to what was best for for Michael. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you have to do. You have to do what's in your best interest and and I think you did that and I think you're probably better off for it you know that's mm-hmm. a heck of a way to start you know because if you had stuck to it you would have been debating all through the summer right before your freshman year in college that's a heck and a way I don't to want to do off. that yeah
0: I want like a little bit of a break before I jump back into you know another four years of school
1: so those are things to consider long term I think so
0: I think mean, that's a good summary for for this kid who has only done extracurriculars, which is that you probably should have done extracurriculars early on. And that's kind of on everybody to help students figure that out. The, the other case I think we wanted to talk about, scenario two, is a student who had below average grades and, and stats and scores, but had a really compelling extracurricular activity story. I mean, I can think of a couple, but but Gonzalez, I think you had a student in mind for this one. I
1: did so, um, not necessarily below average grades, but um, you know, a kid that was in the right at the cusp of being in the top quartile, um, an A average student, but a below average SAT score, and for this student in particular, his uh, top choice school was SMU, and where he was just outside of the top twenty-five percent. With his SAT score, he wasn't going to, on paper, he did not look like he was a good candidate for SMU, but uh, what I was able to decipher, so he has spent four years doing mock trial, and Mm -hmm. this is a kid that has known early on that all he wants to be is a lawyer. He knows specifically, now he's got his whole plan mapped out. (laughs) <laughs> you know where he wants to go to law school he wants to practice in new york etc
0: oh and okay.
1: he wrote about this now he's had he had an internship uh through the dallas bar association at one of the oldest and most elite law firms in dallas during the summer of his junior year he's done mock trial for all four years he's had an internship at a law firm for the last year um so he was, eight, and he wrote about that in his essay. And then I wrote his recommendation letter and I talked about his leadership on the team and how he helped the younger students. And this is the very first time this has happened to me. His acceptance letter from SMU actually quoted my recommendation letter talking about the activity. And to me, that tells me that I think this is one of those cases where the recommendation letter supplemented or complemented actually, complemented what he was saying in his, in all of his application and just kind of gave it that extra boost. It wasn't so much that my letter was a great letter and that's what got him into the school so much as is that it highlighted that this kid really is focused on this and that the narrative is consistent. Um... And I think that's a really good use of the activity. I'm convinced that's what got him into the school. School doesn't offer scholarships in Montreal or anything like that. It wasn't one of those things. But for them to actually quote a line from my recommendation letter, you know, in my 20 plus years of doing this, I've never had that happen to me before. <laughs> so I think that's an example of that. When you can take your extracurricular activity and tie it to your study, your interest of what you want to study or what you want to do in life, I think that makes the story more compelling. And when you rec, I think also when you couple that with a rec letter from a teacher or from a counselor, that also complements that. I think it just boosts it even more.
0: Well, I think part of what this is telling us about thinking about extracurriculars is that the reason why doing a lot of extracurriculars maybe doesn't make so much sense is that you want a focused story that makes sense. So if, you know, like take this scenario, if this student, instead of doing just mock trial and really focusing in on his interest in the law, he decided that summer to do an internship at a hospital. And then he also decided in, you know, second semester of sophomore year to, to join the business club. And then maybe he decided to, you know, do a, a lot of tutoring in a volunteer context, right? all of those are perfectly fine things to do. I think they're, they're, there's nothing bad about them. It just doesn't kind of fit together and make sense. So I think the way the student kind of got into where they wanted to go, even with maybe below average SAT scores, is because their extracurriculars weren't just there and weren't just things they did that were good, but made sense in the context of their overall application. And I think that's something really important that I will talk a lot about, right? Like narrative building and being really focused with your application, especially through your extracurricular activities.
1: Right. And I think that we're seeing a trend that for better, or for worse, I think students are being expected to start earlier and earlier
0: mm.
1: that like, you know, like I don't want to get into this part of it, but I've noticed like the decisions that are made in the seventh and eighth grade about classes that are offered to students in the 7th grade impact their ability to take certain pre-AP or AP classes by the time they're in the ninth grade and they may be behind their peers but similarly I think that students are expected to start figuring out things like the ninth grade I mean like this kid that I'm talking about is the exception to the rule that you know that he's known from a very early age this is what he wants to do and I hope for his sake that everything works out for him but most most kids that are thirteen years old, they
0: don't they don't know play. what they want to do, Why? right? They don't. They're thirteen. Like I I think I like that. That's the age where you want to be a fireman or like for me, I wanted to be a fisherman. Like I really liked fishing. I thought I was going to be a professional fisherman, be on a boat all day and cast rods. I'm not kidding. Like that's actually what I thought my dream job would be.
1: <laughs> so I mean, I I just think that's probably one of the consequences of you know the way the application process is now that we're asking students earlier and earlier to start making decisions that are going to impact them in the long run.
0: Well, I think, you know, like all this kind of fits in with the next scenario, which is that like to talk about kind of a focused extracurricular story that kind of like makes sense that maybe has evidence from a really, really young age. um, What about the student who does everything? And so I will, I will say that the example is myself. Um so during the sophomore year of my high school experience, I think I tried to do debate as my main thing. But also I thought I could also do mock trial, who uh which Gonzalez was coaching and was doing, I think like two uh evening practices that were three hours long. I also wanted to do act deck because I had an English teacher who really wanted me to do act deck at the time. Um and I think I was also trying to do volunteering. Would, would that have been the same
1: teacher that did your rec letter?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can discuss that further <laughs> on a later episode <laughs> but that's 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 my example
1: and you were doing orchestra already
0: oh I forgot about orchestra yes I was doing orchestra and I wanted to go to all state too which is like our our state competition um for for orchestra yeah I just so I was really y- crazy
1: I just remember yelling at were you a were you a junior at the time I was a, a sophomore?
0: sophomore. I was a sophomore. So this yeah. was your
1: very first year there, at the school.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Oh, that was sophomore. Michael thought he knew it all already. <laughs> he didn't listen to anybody. I just remember yelling at you that you couldn't do all those different things. So <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make you. Lo- I'm going to help you out by not letting you be on the mock trial team anymore.
0: Well, I also just did very poorly on mock trial. Was the other thing.
1: I mean, I don't know. I don't know if your skill
0: set would have worked out because I mean, on top of all that too, you were doing extemp. Oh wait, I, I you remember, you remember what I was doing sophomore year better than I did. I did. I was trying to do extemp as well. I like got at, at all the well, debate tournaments. You, I was double entered in yes, both LD you, and extemp. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, you were. You were the kid that was trying to do too much. I mean. I mean, you did well. I mean, I can't remember if it was your junior year that you won the state tournament and extemp.
0: That was sophomore year, actually.
1: Okay, so then I think you, I think you stopped doing extemp after that. I don't remember. You may have done it again your junior year, but you didn't go to state because you you didn't want to or you couldn't. I can't remember.
0: Oh, I think it was like a deb- big Nat Circuit debate tournament conflict.
1: Yeah. So anyway, you were the kid that was trying to do way too much. Yeah. In, in your case, a lot of them were related, but I think the sort of student that you're talking about, well, you started off very early, but I, I thought what you were alluding to is the, the student who's a junior or senior and they figure, they look at their resume or they're starting to do the application and they realize they don't have anything to put in those boxes. So they mm-hmm. start joining every single club that they can. You know, like, every year without fail, there are two, at least two seniors that'll come want to join the mock trial team. I was like, well, where were you for the last four years that now you suddenly want to join the team? (laughs) And it's, and it a lot of times it's because of that. It's not because they had some sort of epiphany and realized they want to do mock trial. I thought that was the kid you were talking about.
0: Oh, no, I think think well, I, I think like the similarity between both is kind of the the like unintentionality behind choosing your extracurriculars, okay. right? Just doing whatever comes up and saying like I, I gotta do something. I you know, like let's just try my hand at this new thing and and see what happens and and I and I don't think that is the right strategy. I mean, like you coach kids who, I mean, you tried to coach me who uh who was doing all these different types of things, like what do you say to students like that?
1: So I think that you know the junior and senior, I tell them something different, you know if it's a senior, I was like, look, colleges are gonna are uh, know what you're trying to do, you know you're not gonna you're not gonna fool anybody, yeah, and try to do some things that are related to what your interest is, you know two or three, and that's it. To the younger student, like the sophomore Michael Gow, I would say <laughs> that when you're a freshman and a sophomore, I think it again, like I said earlier in the episode, it's it's okay for you to experiment and check out things that are different because you're still trying to figure it out. But I think the quicker you can start narrowing your focus, to what your interest really is especially if it aligns with your what your interests are the better the better you will you will do in the long run as it relates to your applications i don't know like i i remember i guess some of it too is is that i struggle with this what happens with the activity that you do just because you enjoy doing it
0: but for that activity you can develop that activity more leadership in that activity, contests in that activity, new projects in that activity. Um, like, I, I think about, you know, like a student who really likes something that isn't traditional, right? So like, it's not like a school debate team. It's not mock trial. It's not some math contest. Let's say they really like gardening or something like that or something kind of out of out of what you normally think about extracurriculars. Right. And I think there's still stuff there that you can make that a really interesting extracurricular like maybe you do a community garden there's some project that you spearhead or 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 you show how to a new way to do agriculture i don't know like i don't know how to garden so i can't really give that many ideas but just developing those interests even if they're not traditional
1: can i mention just one part of angel duckworth's stuff yeah yeah okay so the one thing that stands out for me, and I call it the the two by two model, because I don't remember what she called it in the book, but the idea that the best way to evaluate extracurricular activities is that you should be in the activity for two or more years with demonstrated growth, and that the the way you you demonstrate growth is one of two ways: one that you go you transition from being just a member of the organization or team and you transition to leadership positions within that two-year period or two or more years that you're in it. Or the other way of demonstrating growth is by demonstrating success in the activity. Like, you start off as a member of the mock trial team, and by the time you're junior, you're on a state qualifier, or you won state, or you won the regional meet, or something like that. Because I, I think that if you look at it, what the colleges are looking for isn't the quantity of things that you're involved in but the dedication to activities is is one of the things that they look at besides how does it how does it tie in with everything else that you say that you're interested in on your application
0: yeah i think so um brief plug for a future episode i think we'll try to do a book review of of the book that gonzalez is referencing the book is called grit the power of passion and perseverance by angela duckworth and so if our ambitious listeners want to give it a read in the next like month or so before we maybe do that podcast, do it. Um Gonzalez has been referencing this book. I think I think you might have referenced it in the conversation you had with me about doing too much. Um so so like this is a oldie but uh oldie but a goodie, I guess. Um but I, I think there's like something really true about that, which is that like you want wins, right? You don't just want to be a participant in all the things that you do. You want to show that you're good at something. And what it means to be good at something is to have the time to really focus on that. Like, I do not think I would have been that good of a debater if I kept trying to do mock trial, act deck, and I guess I was doing orchestra too, apparently. Um, Like, I I just don't think it would have worked out. I don't think I would have the time to to do it. And I think like part of my intuition at the time was wanting to have backup plans on backup plans, uh, just in case something didn't work out. But I don't know if that's the right way to think about it. Because if you have so many backups, there's no plan that's actually going to be your your go-to.
1: Right. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. Hey, before we move on, there's a fourth student Mm. that I think we're kind of leaving out of the mix. And it's the student that has a demonstrated interest but doesn't have an outlet for it. Yeah. So the student that comes to mind is I had a student that graduated a year or two ago who was interested in robotics. We don't have a robotics team or anything like that at our school. And unfortunately I didn't learn about her until her senior year. But I, what I would say to her, if I had met her as a freshman or sophomore, because talking to her, she said that she had an interest in working on computers and the way they function since mm-hmm. she was like seven or eight years old and remembers a gift from an uncle or someone there was an old computer and her taking it apart and putting it back together, learning how it worked. And that's a great story, but that's kind of where it's where it stopped. And I think that had she, I think her problem was she didn't know what questions to ask. And so she just kind of didn't do anything. If she would have known that there are universities that offer, you know, STEM camps or robotics camps, Locally and and some you know more distant, then she might have been able to plug into those. And where, it, as she didn't have an extracurricular activity, she could have supplemented having extracurricular activity with a summer camp or mm-hmm. figuring out a way to volunteer. I've heard you talk about this before of reaching out to a local university professor and offering to help do research or work on project yeah. with them. There are other ways. To define what extracurricular is. It's not always a club or an organized activity.
0: Yeah. Well, I think so. Just on that last thing about, you know, like if it's the thing you're interested in is not traditional and and it's not something at the school, like the thing that comes to mind is quinceanera girl, you know? Like, there's no quinceanera club at a high school, I don't, I don't think. At least I've never seen a quinceanera club. But, but this is someone who like, started her own business and started throwing parties for people. And I think that definitely counts as an extracurricular activity. So even if it isn't something that is at a school, if you just do it, it's going to count as an activity. I think extracurricular activity is just anything that is not curricular. So anything that is not for a grade at school will count as an activity.
1: Right, and I think the other thing too is the way these things are framed and packaged, and when you write about them, uh, would you write up, when you as a student write about them in your essays, or the like the short the short answers on the extracurricular stuff, and or how your counselor or teachers write about them, you know, yeah. like you know, I know we've brought you brought up the Kingscinate Girl several times on the podcast, but really <laughs> that's to me that's not about a quinceanera business it's about the entrepreneurial spirit that that young lady had and writing Mm. about that that someone at that young age had this you know this business savvy to be able to negotiate those contracts and also had that that entrepreneurial mindset and so you know while that's not offered in school that was her outlet for that you know so that's and I think that's something that counselors and teachers can help their students with. Like, you know, you, I think you, we may have talked about this uh, in the previous episode, but the only way that I was able to, to extract that from her is by her essentially doing kind of a brain dump of all the things that she did outside of school because she was already a debater. I knew that about her.
0: Oh, but okay. I did
1: know, But I didn't know about this. And she didn't think it was a big deal. And so that's the other thing too is that when students are trying to figure out what to put down on their application i think it's important that they sit with somebody that's a teacher or somebody like you that's counseling them because i think that students have a tendency to undervalue the things that they do outside of school they, absolutely you know i can remember a time where i had a, a a girl that was going back uh i can't remember if it was mexico or el salvador but every time her parents would go back to uh, where her parents came from she would collect boxes of books so she could help establish a library in that community well that's a compelling that's so cool yes
0: (laughs) that's so cool
1: and that doesn't fit into a particular category but that's also you know and i wouldn't have known about that had i not asked her you know probing questions so i think that My message to any teacher or counselor that's listening to the episode is that you've, I think it's part of our responsibility to ask those probing questions, because if you just ask that one extra question, you might get an answer like that that you can work with and help them generate the essay that they need to write or the story that's more compelling than some cliche that they're writing.
0: Yeah, and at least make sure it's represented on the Common App or on the activities list. Yes, because I think it's super easy to just leave off things that are really impressive because you think it's oh, it's just something something I do. Like I worked with a student who who would like take care of the the entire family's cousins um, on the weekends, and so they were not going to put that on the activities list because like well, I don't know what to call it, right? It doesn't seem like something that's official. Um, but it's still something you put time into and that was, you know, took a lot of time and effort. So you might as well just put it on there, even if you don't think it's that impressive. I promise you somebody probably will. And I think like, on the front end of it, during freshman year, part of teachers and counselors and just adults jobs at schools is to, I think, encourage people to try to do their own thing. Like, I think it's very easy just to say like, Oh, you should just join a club, whatever. To to any student who says that I don't like the clubs available, the I think I you know have known a lot of students just say it's fine. Just teachers to say a lot of a lot of teachers just say just join whatever club there is. I think part of it is just that untraditional paths and untraditional extracurriculars are so underrated and not talked about enough, even even by me to be real honest with you um and i think part of the jobs of people at schools is to tell students to just pursue what they are interested in and really early on sit down with kids and say like what do you want to do like what are you into and like make sure students are actually pursuing those interests not just for college applications but just for general i don't know like personal growth reasons too
1: right yeah so if there's if your school doesn't have something offered then and you have an interest start it They'll do it yourself it, yeah do it yourself most schools require some sort of teacher-sponsor fund. You know, your favorite teacher that would be willing to, you know, stay after school that one day a week or one day a, or one day a month even to have your meeting so you have that adult supervisor, and, and there you go. There's one other thing that I wanted to say that doesn't really fit into any categories that we're talking about, and it's in discussing mm-hmm. the impact that extracurricular activities have besides just being something you put on your application and telling right. your story and that is i remember a student who just graduated from university of chicago and i remember in working with him again one of those things i didn't know anything about this student until i started talking to him he decided he was now this is a case where somebody decided to join debate as a junior and this is back when i was still coaching debate he decided that he wanted to join debate not because of the competitive aspect of it but because he wanted to become a better communicator so he was self-aware enough to know that he wasn't a very good communicator so that's why he joined debate so that's the first thing that's really interesting about that story but then i found out that he was essentially the man of the house and so he was having to care for his brother's and his mom worked two jobs. He was having to take public transportation everywhere he went. Oh and so gosh. nobody was picking him up at the debate tournaments. He was figuring out a way to get public transportation from there to where he needed to be. He was never late and he never complained about it.
0: And for context, that's super hard in, in Dallas. Like, it's Public transit in Dallas is not like it is in New York City where there's a subway to everywhere. Yes. The bus system is awful train system is awful if you want to get anywhere out of dallas city into like the suburbs of dallas it is near impossible um and even if you could get to those suburban areas travel inside the suburban areas without a car impossible right so that's actually you know, like so very impressive
1: so you want to wrap up by talking about what schools can do better on the front end and helping students um kind of navigate through the selection of extracurriculars and whatnot
0: yeah i mean like my my take is kind of just like individual counseling very early on trying to have one-on-one like you said probing conversations probing questions i don't know like what what do you i know the law magnet's done a couple of things what do you think has worked um and and what do you want to try out to, to help encourage kids especially on the kind of Untraditional paths from because I know you'll have a lot of ways of pushing kids towards like debate, mock trial, Skills USA. But what about those other interests that might right. not be as well, traditional?
1: Us just talking about that has already made me think about how I want to change the way that we do our new student orientation. So I think that one way that that schools can do this, I think that most schools have like a ninth grade orientation. You know that they're bringing like at our school we do it for four days, four full days. And so we offer various workshops besides just getting them used to the lay of the land of the school. But I think that in the discussion about extracurricular activities, that you just explain the importance, like I talked about earlier, of how it fits with college applications, how it fits with, you know, the social aspects of being part of high school now, of kind of getting built-in friends or people that have common interests. Um, and like I said before, like, I literally say, look, your freshman year, try a few things out, go to a few different meetings, meetings, we actually do one full day of orientation where we bring in all of the academic extracurricular activities that the law magnet is known for and have the kids do a rotation through each one of those to start seeing if there's anything that interests them. Um... And, and then I think also part of that talk is if there's something that you want to do that we don't offer, then feel free to start it yourself or feel free to reach yeah. out to teachers. Because when I have a student come up to me and they start asking me, well, do we have, for example, I just learned at a staff development on Friday that we have a K-pop Club.
0: No. Yes. No. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. On campus. Now, do I want to be part of that? No. No. Okay? (laughs) No, I don't. But we have a teacher who's very enthusiastic about it. And she actually got enthusiastic about it because a couple of students approached her about wanting to start this group. And so she did. And so now there is an organization for twenty or thirty students. In our building, who are fans of K-pop.
0: So... Oh, my goodness.
1: Now, you, you, you know, I can see you turning your nose up at the idea of K-pop, <laughs> but here's what I want to say about that. <laughs> here's my take on it. You know, putting aside the kind of teeny bopper sort of, yeah, you know, vibe that, vibe, yeah, see, I said vibe. Y-
0: you're not you're unironically using the word vibe now too look what i've done
1: that that all of that has associated with it the 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 young women who started that organization that's the story it's not what the club is about it's about the fact that they took the initiative to start the club they had to approach for sure the the teacher to sponsor it and so that is a demonstration of leadership and initiative on their own so I th- I think there are ways, and and me as a, as as you know, I I play the role of pseudo counselor from time to time, of when I'm counseling a student on college admissions, is helping them frame that properly, that maybe the story isn't about how excited you are about K-pop, but the story is about how that motivated you to to navigate through all the bureaucracy. That's required to start a club. It's not easy to just start a club. You can't just say, oh, we're going to go meet on Tuesday nights and we're going to have, you know, barbecue or whatever we're going to eat that day or (laughs) cookies or yada, yada, yada. It's not that simple. You've got to follow a certain number of procedures in order to get it, including training that they're required to do for, you know, fundraising and all sorts of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I think that that that's where the story is
0: yeah I mean, and you know, just generally, like college admissions, I think, even in counseling kids, it's never about the content. It's never about what is being done unless it's super impressive, unless it's like national champion of XYZ, then content starts mattering. Even if it's just like for the most students, it's all just average things. I won this contest once, I started this club, I'm in this club. It's all about lessons learned and takeaways. Uh, but I guess we can talk more about that on an es- on an episode about essays or whatever. Um, but yeah, any last thoughts you have on extracurricular strategy or anything like that?
1: Well, I think that the the big takeaways are the the two polar opposites that you want to avoid. No extracurricular activities and too many. You, you have right. to kind of find that Goldilocks sort of happy medium. I really think two or three is probably two or three well done. You know, and I'm talking, you know, I've always said this one time intensive activity and one less time intensive activity. And what I mean by that is like something like debate is very time intensive. There's a lot of practice, requires a mm-hmm. lot of travel, a mm-hmm. lot of competitions, etc. That's you can't afford to do more than one of those. And that was kind of the message I right. was preaching to you at the time. And then you have another activity that maybe is not as intense that it's uh, maybe it's Maybe you have a group like the Young Democrats or something on your, or a LULAC, Uh, or an NAACP or something like that, and you have a leadership position, and you do community work, and you bring in speakers and things of that sort, and you use that as a platform for you to perhaps get a leadership position so that you can demonstrate growth in that area, and now you have two things. You've got the time-intensive activity that's probably competitive that gives you an opportunity to demonstrate growth that way, and then you've got another activity that's Less time intensive. That gives you an opportunity to demonstrate growth through leadership. That, that's what my recommendation would be. Is that way, have balance,
0: for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think that I think that is something also in Duckworth's book, right? Yes. The, that's like the two by. So, you know, another teaser for that future episode: reviewing and or talking about Duckworth's book. Uh, link below in the description, the Amazon link, I'm sure it'll be like an Amazon affiliate link. So if you want to send a couple of cents our way, you know, go to Amazon and buy her book, read it, and then, uh, we'll talk about it. The
1: reason that's in the book is that one of the things, and I think this is the reason why colleges evaluate extracurricular activities the way they do is because that, that two-year model is a demonstration of grit. It's a demonstration of perseverance that you didn't quit, that you were dedicated, that you stuck to the activity. And that you grew in the activity. So I think that's what extracurricular activities demonstrate. The ability to work with others. All the things that are kind of like, you know.
0: Your soft skills.
1: Yes. But they're also like micro views into how you're going to operate in society.
0: I think that's a perfect way to end it. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Thanks again for watching this week's episode of the Admissions Uncovered podcast. Look, I know college admissions is super confusing, and that's one of the reasons that Gonzalez and I are doing this podcast to give information to the people who need it the most. But the thing is, you might have more questions, and some of those questions might be personal to your situation and what you want. Well, that's why I'm offering a special opportunity. listeners of the podcast to work with me individually through my college admissions counseling and test prep company, Gao Admissions. I've seen some great results over the years. On average, SAT scores go up by 100 to 150 points. Students I have counseled have gotten into schools like Dartmouth, the University of Pennsylvania, gotten full rides from schools like the University of Texas and other schools like that. And so I'm here to help if you have individual questions. So if you're ready to get started on your college journey, go to gowadmissions.com, scroll to the bottom and fill out that contact me form and I'll be in touch.